We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a jam-packed game day preview. You have myself and Brad Ward giving you all the usual information, the weather, the coverage, the referee situation, the betting odds, all-time series, Browns versus Seahawks for this 405 kick. So you've got all of that in this podcast, and then I get finally some time with the Seahawks guest. John Gilbert joins us at the end to give an in-depth preview of the Seahawks roster, status of the franchise, and much, much more. So jam-packed game day podcast. Stick around. Enjoy it. A lot here. A lot going on. You'll have your Browns coverage after from the OBR, but let's get going right now. Get you ready for this game. All the information you need to know on the latest OBR film breakdown. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your game day preview. Releasing this one a little early because it's a combined effort on the OBR Film Breakdowns part. We got a guest coming up in a little bit. Uh, it's kind of a crazy week for me with some of the stuff around getting a Seattle guest. I know, Brad, you probably had a little more luck. Obviously, all eyes on Cleveland crossover here for the first part of the podcast. We uh, link up and get together and do our usual bit. But uh, on the OBR side, it's going to be a little different. So, Anyway, Brad, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you, man. It looks like we got a really good game on our hands. Uh, a really interesting game, I'll say it that way. Expectations are a little all over the map for the outcome of this one. I think a lot of Browns fans have chalked this up as sort of a like a uh, passable loss, right? Where you can understand why they would lose this game, and then you look at the Cardinals game kind of looming after that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think expectations are pretty low for this for this game here in Seattle. Four oh five kick for those of you who forgot that it is a little later than the one o'clock usual kick. So, what's your expectation for this one, Brad? Um, I, I think it's a winnable game, actually. I, I think that uh, these teams have a lot about them that is similar defensively and offensively. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I kind of think of that Spider-Man, you know, pointing at Spider-Man mm-hmm. meme a little bit in this one uh, stylistically. Um, so I think it's interesting. I, you know, I, I think that it's a winnable game, though, for sure. I, I don't. I mean, Seattle hasn't gone out and really dominated anybody. So I think that certainly the Browns can stay in the game and hope to make a play late. Agreed. It's it's interesting that it is a game they can win. I feel like a lot of people have sort of less less the case in the 49ers game where everyone presumed that was a loss. This feels like there's a lot of vibes around. It's okay to lose this one before you come home. You can get back to five and three. That sort of energy is sort of surrounding it but i think obviously the browns feel like they have a pretty good shot they feel like pj walker is going to be more prepared than he's been 
We'll see yes. if that ends up reaping any benefit, but let's go through our normal stuff here. So weather looks fantastic. 55, low chance of uh, rain. I mean, again, it's Seattle, so don't quote us on this. It's just like Cleveland on the lake. Anything could happen at any moment. But as far <laughs> as every weather prognosticator we checked, there's like an under 5% chance of rain. So feel pretty good about it being a nice day. And I would say, Brad, you would, you much like me, would feel like this is a pretty good time to get a Seattle game where it's, it's not awful in there, um, you know, a little dome of weather out there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, you don't have to deal with the, uh, the, you know, ice and the gray and those, those are tough games to play, go play in there for sure. There are, it's already tough to play in, you know, with the twelves and everything, but, uh, this, uh, a sunny day is, you know, if we have, if they actually get that is, uh, it's hard to believe. So a good time of year though. You're right. Good time to get them. We'll see if that, um, you know, nice weather ends up working in anyone's favor. I think the Browns probably prefer it to be mucked up a little bit but we'll see what shakes out feels like it's uh, it's a nice time to get into seattle get a good game in here and, and the coverage is uh, a cbs 405 game on this one i think it is right i have fox okay it's a fox coverage okay right on who's covering fox this tv one? coverage uh adam amon daryl johnston and pam oliver that would be fox i believe right yep, so that's right um yeah 405 fox game Adam Amon, Daryl Johnson, Pam Oliver. Uh, yeah, that's it. 405. Okay. Browns games have been running kind of long lately. So, uh, you know, this one could uh, go into the evening, early evening. Yeah, it could, could run right into our 730 kickoff show, right? The uh, wrap-up yes. that we normally do. Right on. All right, so we have two things we have to hit on still, betting and then uh, the officiating crew in this one. So, Let's let's do this quickly. So betting, I know you have a couple that you really like. What's the over under and spread as it's sort of settling in here on late Saturday? Uh, yes. So it is uh, three and a half minus three and a half. Uh, Seattle is laying three and a half. So minus three and a half to Seattle. Uh, and the over under has kind of been all over the place. I saw it as low as like thirty five earlier this week. It's up to thirty seven and a half now, and kind of settled in that range. So uh, still low scoring. Yep, I like it. So low scoring is probably going to be it. It's not going to be a nine three like it was in two thousand eleven, but it is definitely going to be. Well, we listen. I, I think we had thought at least I did. Brad last week when they played the Colts, it was that first touchdown for Jerome Ford. I'm like, this might be this might be enough to make a difference because this is going to be a low scoring game. And then we all know what happened last week. The NFL is yeah. obviously unpredictable, but uh, you know you feel like this one should trend a little more on the on the low side for score wise, I would feel comfortable with the under on that. And then is there some prop bet stuff you like in this one? Yeah, I'll hit that stuff. Now, uh, if you do look at Seattle's totals, they have been somewhat low throughout the, uh, year, even in their wins. So a lot of 17, 14, 2014, stuff like that. So, uh, here we go. Here's what we like, uh, for the prop bets this week. I'm going right back to Cooper. I know he just down last week, but, if somebody's going to produce on this team, granted there's no running backs available on the board at the moment uh, with some question around who's going to play there. So uh, I'm taking Cooper with the watered down number of 50 and a half yards and his reception number is at three and a half. Uh, I think that's way too low. So I'm going Cooper over 50 and a half over three and a half receptions. I like D hop over a field goal and a half. And then I like PJ Walker to go for uh, the line is a half a touchdown pass. So I like him to get one there. And I like Geno Smith to go over half an interception. So for him to throw an interception. So 
Get a touchdown pass and interception, two field goals. Cooper over 50 and a half. Cooper over three and a half. Throw it all together, and I like that as a little parlay. Like it. Brown Seahawks kicked off first time they ever played back in 77. It has been dominated by the Seahawks, 13 and 6 all time. Recent contest was a 2019 game that the Browns had every chance to win, lost 32 to 28. Then the time before that is a 2015 trip out to Seattle, which the Seahawks dominated and won that one 30 to 13. The 2011 game was, sorry, not a 9 3 contest. It was a 6 3 contest. I apologize for messing up one of the more unique box scores that you will ever see. And if you recall, I believe that was a Charlie Whitehurst against Colt McCoy game. So there, there's some nostalgia for you. 2007, the Browns won that one 33 30. I can't remember was um, the quarterback of that one. If it was, if it was, it was Anderson. All right. So Derek Anderson, Matt Hasselbeck battle back then. And then the only other ones that are relatively close past the 2000 mark is 2001. The Browns lost nine, six. So they've had a nine, six and a six, three final since the turn of the decade or sorry, turn of the century. And then a 34 in 2003, a 34, seven Seahawks win. So again, 13, six all time Seattle. The last two games have trended towards Seattle's direction. The Browns won an ugly one in 2011. Maybe they can do that here a little more than a decade later. Try to repeat something like that. Maybe a 16, 13 or something of that nature in a, in a score column. Uh, you know, is that the vibe you have too, Brad low scoring, or do you think it's going to be surprisingly high scoring? No, I think it'll be low scoring. I, you know, I think that, uh, I like that, that I think it'll be right around that line. I would stay away from an over under on this one. Officiating crew. Do we have an officiating crew information on this one? We do. We've got Bill Vinovich on the game. Now Vinovich is an interesting guy. He was in the league until 2000, uh, six, I want to say, or something like that. Uh, and then left due to heart issues, came back later in his career. Uh, some real quickly, some key games that he has been on for the Browns. Uh, I have, uh, he was on the Halloween Cincy game last year, the big win 32, 13 Browns. Uh, he was also, he was on two wins last year for the Browns. He was on the commander's win as well. 24, 20. Uh, back in, uh, 21, he was on the Chiefs Browns opener. And in 2020, he was on the shootout with the Ravens, 47-42. Uh, the, uh, Lamar coming out of the, uh, locker room game there, I believe. If that's right. Uh, so, yeah, he was on those ones. Uh, what you're gonna get with him is he is, uh, you know, trends here. He has a 3-to-1 ratio, uh, on offensive line penalties versus defensive line penalties, which is interesting. Uh, so he calls a lot more of his penalties on the offense. Uh, real quickly, the Seahawks are are actually getting uh, penalties called on them uh, 59% of the time on the offense. So that actually plays to the Browns' hands a little bit uh, as their tendencies. Uh, the Seahawks are the number one ranked team at drawing false starts in the NFL. Uh, so that's something to watch for. Um, oh, that's a the, Brad, that's a bad omen, Brad. Especially considering yes, it is how jump consistent the Browns are, and how you're playing at home, and how that can be to your advantage. So that's not good to hear. And, and the twelfth man there, uh, which yeah. it, which impacts that number as a whole, obviously uh, playing in Lumen. So uh, that's something they need to be aware of. It is a bad omen. Uh, Browns uh, rank fourth overall for offensive holding penalties this year. Did you know that? That's crazy. Um, uh, the chaos at the quarterback position obviously has contributed to that. Uh, the Seahawks are currently uh, co-ranked number one overall for roughing the passer penalties in 23, Jake. 
and no referee has called fewer roughing the passer penalties than Bill Vinovich. So real quick, the bottom line, Vinovich, this is uh, from uh, Sharp uh, Analytics here. Vinovich is uh, nine, six, and one uh, under. So he, his games have gone under most of the time. Uh, in 23, he is on a five and one under run uh, as far as the line goes. Um, so uh, 64% of the games in his career since uh, coming back in 2016 have been under the total. Um yeah, so that that's kind of the some of the trends there. Uh, you know, uh, under thirty nine points is the play in this game, is what the you know Sharp is saying as far as uh, analytics go. Um, and uh, Vinovich's total record is second to none uh, when it comes to uh, low scoring games. So there you go. He tends to uh, have a typically. This is interesting. Vinovich has typically been a "Quote unquote, let him play." Referee, averaging more penalties per game uh, than in previous seasons so far in 2023, but teams overall are committing more penalties as a whole. So, trending towards more penalties around the league. But he is a kind of guy that will let them play, according to this. So. Okay, fascinating stuff all around there. I think that it's funny to me when you you bring up a, an official, and I'm looking it up, and I. I... <laughs> You know, I don't recognize them without the gear on. Then they have the hat on and the stripe check. Oh, okay. I've seen him before. That's him. So, all right. Some good trends for the Browns. Some not so good, right? But uh, overall, I think it's a a good crew for this game, especially like you talked about the low scoring nature of it. So hopefully the Browns can hold their water a little bit here with the snap count stuff. That's one thing that stands out when you talk through that sort of situation with what we saw last week. All right, let's shift over before we close here. How the Browns get it done. So if you think of how the Browns are winning this game, Brad, Talk about what they have to do on both sides of the ball to get it done. Well, I, I think that, you know, once again, you this team can't come from behind. I don't want them playing from behind at all. So you've got to get off to a fast start. You've got to keep the game script neutral. Uh, I think you've got to establish the run. Now, you can tell me, you know, this their defense is a lot like ours. They're fast and light. So maybe the run schemes that the Browns deploy here might be a little more direct than some of the pin and pull stuff that you've talked about in the past that has had some success. They want to run sideline to sideline and run you down, right? So maybe uh, some more gap stuff and and going at them might have some some more success. But uh, you got to establish the run in this game. Um, because they can get after the passer and they will blitz, uh, you know, they're, they will blitz safeties, DBs. They get really creative. They'll bring anybody at you. So, uh, I, I, you know, they are very good defense. I think, um, kind of hitting their stride. Devin Witherspoon feels like a, uh, little bit of a no fly zone. Uh, Jake, I would stay away from him as much as possible and kind of gear, uh, even though Woolen had a really good year last year, he's struggling this year, giving up 120 uh, quarterback rating when targeted this year. And their safeties are giving up a good amount of uh, catches when targeted, even though they like to deploy those three safeties with Love, Adams, and um, the other one's escaping me now. But uh, there's three of them they like to run out there. Um, but yeah, and they got to play a clean game, right? They got to win the turnover battle. Uh, I think the defense will play well here. I think you can force Gino into some some bad plays with some pressure, but uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the game all around. Keep it close. Hope to make a play late. They've been finding a way. Uh, this team is mentally tough and has a little bit of moxie. I think you kind of lean into that that trend here. 
So I think you're talking about Julian Love, I think is the third one there, right? So yeah. Julian Love, Quandary Diggs, and then Jamal Adams. Yeah, their, I, I, their I did guys. mention Diggs is the guy yep. I forgot. That's okay, right? They're, they're secondary-driven. We're going to hear from a guest on my show. I'm sure you talked about it this week on your show, Brad. Secondary-driven roster, but the linebackers are good. Bobby Wagner, not who he used to be physically, but he can certainly still get it done mentally. He's not as good in pass coverage, but certainly as a downhill linebacker. is good. Jordan Brooks is flying all over the field right now and is is proving some of that first round value the reason that they took him in the first round so he's a challenge right I think if the Browns can block them up in terms of pass protection use the run to play into the pass I think that's what they have to do in this one if they can set up some sort of running rhythm then they can play that into some of their downfield passing game and creating situations where they're looking like pre-snap run then creating some throw opportunities off of it I think that's an opportunity for him I think obviously the tight end play in this one will be will be massive I think the if the secondary is going to be largely impactful against wide receivers, which I do believe to be true, I think they're certainly going to have to be able to win the tight end running back receiving battle, which, again, won't be easy, but is something that they'll have to do when we look back at whether they won or not. Um, on the other side of the football, Geno Smith has been prone to mistakes, so he's made a few. He made a few against the Cardinals, one of which was intercepted down by the goal line, another of which was dropped out near midfield. It could have been a massive play for the Cardinals. So when he does make mistakes – you have to be able to take advantage of it. They have to be able to also shut down the run. No doubt about it. They cannot let a team get dual threat on them the way the Colts were. That's when they were not uh, able to de- defend the, the collective the way they needed to. If you look at the two times they've had bad defense days, both the Ravens and the Colts were able to rip off chunk runs on them. They can't let that happen. So if you can make them one-dimensional, still hard because, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a nice player coming along. DK Metcalf getting back on the field and we know how they struggle with the big physical wide receiver type. Sometimes obviously George Pickens is another example of that type of wide receiver. They have not had much luck against, and then we'll see if Tyler Lockett plays, but even if he doesn't, they have that Jake Boba, who's a nice uh, rookie for them as well, playing pretty well. So it's a good group over there, but I think that their consistency is lacking. And I think Gino's not playing as well as he did last year. So I, they're not throwing up a ton of points, right? If you can keep them under, you know, 20 points, keep them in that, uh, 14 to 16 to 17 range, you have a real chance to win the game. So like you said, play from out in front. I don't think this is a game that you can come back in very often. I know the Browns got fortunate by virtue of turnover to come back multiple times, you know, eight lead changes in the last game. I don't see a yeah. repeat of that, even though it looks like Jason Peters is going to be starting a tackle. And I'm sure Miles Garrett, who had four and a half sacks against him last time, will have a chance to put his stamp on the <laughs> game again. I think, I think Peters is starting. I'm not sure if Snow Forsyth is starting. I a little bit of confusion there about what's going on, who will ultimately be out there on the field for the Seahawks. But the Browns pass rush has to dominate. They have to make them one-dimensional, and that's the way to go. And they have to be able to play from at least in the range of seven points behind to seven points out in front. They cannot fall behind 14, 10, 14 points early because that makes them one-dimensional, which then, as we know, is not a very good situation for them to be in. So, you know, again, you know, you talk about every team wants to play out in front early. Every team wants to do certain things, but the Browns are truly not equipped to come back in games right now if they get one-dimensional, right? There's no doubt about it, and they have to play an A game. They have to play one of their better games of the year. We know, like I would say that the offense is due. They're very much due to have a good game. They have not really put together very many good offensive games this year. There's a couple examples of that, Tennessee being one. but And you could say last week, but they were largely benefiting from defensive stuff, right? Turnovers, situations that put them into plus field percentage. But they need a game where the offense, and this is hard because it's P.J. Walker, you're a little beat up at some spots, but you need to put together a good offensive game. They're due for one. If they do, they have a real chance to go out there and steal a game on the road, which would be you know, imagine this, Brad. They get to five and two through all of the chaos that they've had. Deshaun's shoulder, Nick's knee, 
it would be amazing for them to be five and two. And again, I think they're playing with a little bit of house money. I really do. A lot of people yeah. picking Seahawks. A lot of people think that this is a schedule loss, traveling out west, all that stuff. They're playing with house money, and I'm going to be very interested to see if they have that us against the world mentality that they brought with the 49ers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do think they will, I, and uh, that's how they should approach it. You know, their secondary is tough, you know, you we were talking about, but they are susceptible to, you know, Witherspoon is hyper-aggressive guy. So a guy like Cooper, you think maybe a couple double moves or something like that, you could really get somebody in trouble and, and, and take advantage of uh, a deep ball or, or something there. I mean, he is a rookie, and he loves to jump those under routes, so. Listen, this should be a fun one, man. This should be a fun one overall. I, I th- That's what I'm hoping for more than anything else. I just don't want it to be a, a drudgy sort of blowout situation, which, again, I don't think the Browns are going to go out there and really hand it to Seattle, but I think there's a chance Seattle could hand it to them, and I hope that's not the outcome. I think that the Browns are suited, and I, I, th- I think they believe that they can go do this type of stuff now, right? They have a belief in them that they can win these types of games, doing two of them back-to-back with P.J. Walker. They think they can win these close ones, and sometimes that's what it takes, man, is your franchise seeing that we can win these close games, these toss-up games can go our direction, and you start to get some of that luck. The Browns are due for some one-score luck, right, and they're seeing a little bit of it right now. Maybe they keep that trend moving, Brad. So I I feel like we – I know I picked the Browns in this one. Did you pick the Browns, or who would you pick in this one? Yeah, I did pick the Browns, and and uh, you know my last comment would be is you know PJ gets a contract, he gets a, a whole week of ones. Maybe you get a a good PJ Walker game. He's sprinkled a few in here over the years. He had a couple good ones last year, so maybe you get a really good one from him, and and we see something different. So, uh, yeah. like you said, the offense is due to play a little bit better. It's a, it's a benefit to him that he knew early in the week he was starting. They planned around it. You know, I know they did that, obviously, um, with his last true start. But this is now like five weeks with the franchise as a a rosterable player. All of the little elements there up and around and all that non-practice. Because, again, practice squad guys are like scout team. That's what you're doing. You're not going through the actual offense and doing that stuff. So, like you said, he's better than the stuff he's put on tape. How good? That's definitely a very capped ceiling. But he is more than capable to perform better than how he has performed so far. So we hope the exposure to the offense being in the lead role a little bit more over the last two, three weeks will help him push him in the right direction. And hopefully your Cleveland Browns show up and play well. So uh, that's it. That's the pregame, Brad Ward, Jake Burns, all eyes on Cleveland, OBR film breakdown. We appreciate your time. Thanks Brad for stopping by, hanging out and doing this with me, brother. Of course, man, anytime go Browns hoping for a big win. Like you said, if not, we'll get another one back, but uh, I got a good feeling about this one, Jake. Sneaky good feeling, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm going to be honest, guys, wasn't easy to get a Seahawks guest for me. I just don't have a reach into Seahawks Twitter, even though it is vast and powerful uh, didn't have much success, but I did get John Gilbert. He was nice enough to give us some time here. John, thanks for your time, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Always happy to talk football. Always happy to talk Seahawks. So uh, looking forward to it and excited to be here. Well, you're 4-2, off to a good season, right? You, a lot of good things in place. Uh, give me kind of your state of the franchise, wh- where things are after six games, how you guys are feeling, big excitement for this home game, obviously bringing back the one of the best retro nostalgic uniforms possible i feel like vibes are pretty high over in seattle absolutely you know there's a lot of enthusiasm for the you the the roster is just chock full of youth and upside potential um and you know to be four and two six games into the season when you know there were some road trips there were some questions about health about you know concerns with the offensive line is Gino going to regress and turn into a pumpkin? You know, all of those questions uh, to be where they are right now. Certainly they're entering the part of the schedule that's going to be rougher and then it's going to get even rougher again next month. But, you know, in a weak NFC uh, 
to be four and two and to be in position to to at least compete for a playoff spot, if not to, you know, potentially win the division. Um, you know, it might be getting ahead of myself, but the, the Niners have looked beatable for a couple of weeks in a row. So we're going to be optimists as long as we can. Yeah, I understand. I totally understand. It's a fun roster. So let's talk about the offense. It's run by Shane Waldron, who I think is doing a pretty nice job for you guys. So uh, we'll start a quarterback. He talked about Geno. How's it? How's he playing this year? I think there's been some up and down, but it looks like he's he's still a version of what you guys saw last year. And at least there's a lot of optimism still around him leading for the foreseeable future here. No, absolutely. Gino's been playing well. He hasn't put up the production. He hasn't put up the numbers that he put up last year. And that has a lot of fans frustrated. But the simple reality is, is that the Seahawks have, I mean, one of the youngest, least experienced offensive lines, not just in the league, but in the league in recent league history uh you know they've been playing guys who just are first year starters across the ball every single starter for week one has missed at least one game and so it's been a it's been a mess up front and Gino's he's taken a beating quite frankly they've you know in in the three games where the line has been able to protect Gino where he's been pressured at less than 40 percent the Seahawks offense averages 29 points a game in the games where he's been pressured at over 40 percent the offense is averaging about four, barely 14 points a game. So it that's where it is, and it is it is what it is. It's a young line. It's an injured line. They'll gain experience. They're going to get better. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I'm not really looking forward to Miles Garrett setting up shopping, having a picnic in, in the Seahawks' backfield this weekend. So let's talk about that, because I think that's going to be the key matchup on this side of the football. We'll get to the skill guys in a minute, but... Talk about the health of that group because the Browns, you know, their their real strength is getting after the quarterback with four. Now, last week, the Colts actually battled that in situations where the Browns only brought four. It was the most productive Gardner Minshew was as a quarterback against that. Now, they play a very specific style, a unique style with Shane Steichen, but I do think Shane Waldron can do some similar run game things. So I'm curious how this matchup plays out because it is really, as far as the roster of the Browns go, they're their strength and what they lean into the most. And we know that Miles made some game-changing plays to really save that game last week. So I think like you said, John, the, the, the health of the group hasn't been great. So update us on the health of the group, how you see them playing um, You know, in this one. Do you think they have enough to handle it? Or are they going to need a bunch of extra chip and tight end running back help to get through this one? I, I mean, they probably will need some extra help and some extra chip. Uh, I mean – it's just it's Miles Garrett. Even if the line were completely healthy, they would need that. But the reality is, they've kind of put their tackles out there. They've kind of said, you know what, you guys are on your own. They they actually provide tight end help at one of the lowest rates in the league. I think they're sixth lowest in the NFL so far, in spite of the fact that for half of the season, they were starting two tackles who had about a half dozen starts combined between them coming into the season in Jake Curran and Stone Forsythe at left tackle. 2022 first round pick Charles Cross. He's back. He's healthy. He's recovered from a sprained toe. Yeah, he had a rough outing in his, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. It's been rough, um, you know, as he gets back into the swing of things. So hopefully things are a little bit prettier. Left guard Damian Lewis is back from an ankle sprain. Center is a question mark. Evan Brown missed last week. Rookie Alawatimi from uh, Michigan, rookie out of Michigan. Uh, he started last week. We'll see if Brown, former Detroit Lions center and guard, interior lineman, you know, that they signed in free agency in the spring. If he's healthy, he may start. If not, It'll be the rookie again. Right guard has been Phil Haynes was the week one starter, but he's had a calf injury. So last week, uh, Anthony Bradford, a day three pick this past spring started. And then right tackle has just been Abe Lucas, who was a fantastic uh 
third rounder in 2022, but he went out at halftime of week one and we haven't seen him since he's still on injured reserve. So he's not playing this weekend. Last week, it, it was Stone Forsythe, the right tackle. He played better than Jake Curran, who injured his ankle, uh, but was active last week. So we'll see how, you know, what the health status is of that right side of the line, whether it's three first year starters, including two rookies again, or if they get Phil Haynes back or whether they get Evan Brown back. But at the end of the day, it's that right side of the center and right side of the offensive line that are, I really think are going to define, you know, going to be that key matchup. And can they stop that Browns pass rush? Because they, especially in third and longs, you know, end of half, end of game situations when it's definitive passing moments, that's when they've that line, that group has struggled. And that's when defenses have thrived in getting to Geno, putting applying pressure and forcing mistakes or incompletions or turnovers. Yeah, I'm sure the Browns are going to put an emphasis on getting to third down in this one. I think it was a little bit more of a problem last week. They've been really good at getting teams to third down and getting off the field. But again, the Colts kind of put them in a, in a position to be humbled last week. They did a nice job. We'll see what they battle with. There's certainly enough skill position talent to figure it out. I know Tyler Lockett's a little beat up and Lighten, uh, if he's going to play DK, seems like he's back for the first time in a while. You're playing the youngsters, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we're very familiar with over here. I'm recording out of Columbus, Ohio. Very high on him. I know the start hasn't been great. Maybe you could touch on a little bit of that, the slow start for him. And then Jake Bobo has been really good, too. And we'll talk tight end running back in a minute. But that wide receiver group has to have the people out there really excited. It absolutely does have the people excited, you know, and it, it has the people excited to the point where, you know, they're they're frustrated because, you know, rookie wide receivers, it's one of the positions that's the slowest to develop in the league. They're they're concerned that, you know, Jake Bobo and Jackson Smith and Jigba aren't getting the the playing time or the receptions and the the production that they need. But the reality is, you know, they're doing enough to keep the team at four and two. They're you know, a couple plays go a different way and they're looking at five and one having, you know, if the game against the Bengals is flipped. The reality is, is they're filling the roles they need to. DK is supposed to be back this weekend. Lockett, he's been battling a hamstring, but I mean, he always plays. He, he's a savvy vet. He's not going to go crazy. Um, you know, I, I would be very surprised if we don't see him this weekend. And it's it's a group that, that there's a whole lot of reasons to be very excited about. With I mean, yes, Lockett is... You know, he's in his 30s, but Metcalf still, he's just 25. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is still just 21. And so that's that's a whole lot of talent and a whole lot of potential upside still for, for players who are, you know, Metcalf is producing at one of the highest levels in NFL history for a player in their first four or five seasons through their age 25, age 26 season. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is really starting to, you know, put some production on the board, really starting to get, get those yards, got his first touchdown of his career last week. So hopefully they can follow up on that. Uh, you know, again, it's against a tough Browns defense, but we'll see how they can perform against a, a better group than they faced last week yeah obviously with Kenneth Walker I think I saw that he's off the injury report so he should be good to go and I think Zach Charbonnet is back this week it's a it's a pretty impressive you know running back group here one of the better talents uh, as far as young prospects go here so you know they they obviously play Noah Fant uh, a good amount do they play a second tight end Will Disley like what what's the look of the run game like is it is is it a feature part of what they're doing is it a complementary part to the passing game so that's kind of my angle here like What's the identity of the offense is where I'm driving this and what Browns fans should expect to see Seattle trying to do to establish some sort of rhythm against the Browns defense. 
really through the first week, first five weeks of the season, first five games of the season, uh, excuse me, because they had the bye. But the first five games, they, were, they really threw the ball a whole lot. Last week against Arizona, they ran it a whole lot more. Ken Walker carried the ball 26 times in the game. It, it, that was obviously a season high. We'll see how he responds. You know, like you said, he's off the injury report, uh, but he did take kind of a beating. And, the, you know, he's taken a beating, that kind, that kind of beating a couple times before. They've used him as a workhorse like that a couple times. And we'll see what kind of impact he's able to have you know, coming off of that workload. Can he replicate that? Can he do it again? Or will with, you know, if he struggles, we, you know, will we see more of Charbonnet who, who we haven't seen in a couple of weeks because of a hamstring injury, who missed some time during training camp uh, with the shoulder injury. It, it is a really exciting group because Walker, he, he has the potential. He's got that speed. He loves to try and break things to the outside. And when he gets to the outside and he gets into that open field, anything can go the distance, any single play, you know, obviously he's got to get there. It's the NFL. So it doesn't happen often. Uh, and Charbonnet is just, I mean, he, he's more like a wrecking ball than he is a running back. He, he, you get him in space and he's looking to hit people. And so, you know what? We probably won't see more than a half dozen touches for Charbonnet. I wouldn't think that's kind of what they've done when he's played, when he's been healthy. They'll give him three or four carries. They'll give him two or three, uh, you know, throws. You know, whether it's a swing pass, a screen pass. Uh, but that's what they've been doing at the running with the running backs, and they have used them as a as a tool to keep defenses honest. The, in addition to Fant, you know, Fant's more of the receiving option, obviously. Will Disley is the blocking option. And then Colby Parkinson is kind of the jack-of-all-trades, who he's very athletic, has the speed, uh, but hasn't gotten as much of the, you know, it doesn't have as much notoriety as the, or not as well-known as Disley or as Fant, just because of, obviously, he was a day-three pick, didn't sign a big free agent contract, wasn't a first-round pick like Fant. It's so... They use all three of them. They all play extensively. They all almost interchangeably. Like I said, obviously, if Disley's in the game, it's more likely to be a pass than it is or a run, excuse me, than if if it's Fant. But they they use them all. They and they they have done very well, very very well using two and three tight end sets, especially since week two, we, we, while dealing with those offensive line issues and the injuries up front. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, let's switch to the defense, which is a. I'd say it's a defensive back-powered group. I'm not sure if you'd agree with me. Obviously, being close, this is me looking at it from a very far, far away lens. But there is certainly talent in the box, right? So you're talking about an odd front defense. Again, I believe is what they're running out that direction. You can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But, you know, I know the Browns are very in on Draymond Jones. He decided to go out to Seattle. Uh, belief in Jaron uh, Jaron Reed, right? Uh, there's 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 obviously Boye Moffey. He's been a nice draft pick from last year's draft. Signed Frank Clark. Jordan Brooks is a first round linebacker. I'm sure trying to find his way a little bit. And then Bobby Wagner still around has come back. Uh, I'm sure is making a difference in his uh, vet experience too. So as far as the linebacker front group, how is that group playing this year? And what should we expect to be some of the guys the Browns have to take care of in order to be either competent in the run game or protecting the quarterback? Yeah, one of the biggest things that you'll notice and one of the biggest things to look for is that they're playing, they're basically using nickel as their base defense. So they are playing, you know, they we can call it an odd, we can just, you know, they've got four linebackers on the field. They've got two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers typically. But lots of times they will have only two defensive linemen on the field at a time. The, you know, one defensive end, one nose tackle, whether it's Jerron Reed, Draymond Jones, uh, and they'll rotate through. But it's it's been a defense that's been far more successful than it has been in years past. And I think you're spot on. You know, they, they are definitely secondary driven. Uh, they've got all the talent back there. And that's allowed them to to play with the success that they've had. You know, Brooks has been phenomenal against the run. Uh, he came back from a, 
his torn ACL. He tore it in January, uh, and he had surgery and is back on the field and playing at a very high level, far higher level than most people anticipated, myself included. Bobby Wagner, he's certainly not the player he was 10 years ago. He's not the same guy who you know hoisted a, super, a Lombardi trophy against the Broncos a decade ago, but he against the run, he is absolutely phenomenal reads plays the recognition sniffing it out he's just his no he's always in there he just doesn't have the knees and the speed to run with the receivers down the field whether it's a tight end or a slot receiver so they're kind of keeping him in a situation where he's he's gonna be in there on run game rundowns to stop the run he'll be there in passing downs but he's been rushing the passer far more than he has in the past which kind of acts as a, a rush from the second level if you will and then the outside linebackers you know unfortunately Uchenna Nwosu suffered the pec injury is on injury reserve probably done for the year unless they make a deep run into the playoffs but you know on the outside that leaves Boyamafe, that leaves Daryl Taylor we'll see what kind of role Frank Clark plays uh you, the newly signed and brand new we haven't seen how they're going to deploy him yet. I don't think that they'll use him too much uh, as an outside linebacker on early downs, but you know they could surprise me. I don't know. I don't expect to see him dropping back into coverage. But the, the defensive front is certainly exciting and on the up and up with, again, a, another position group that's just filled with youth and talent. Yeah, so the Browns will play a good amount of 6-0 line, even getting crazy short yardage. They'll bring in a 7-0 line, and they'll use big personnel. They'll put multiple tight ends on the field. Uh, they'll also obviously spread you out and run 11 personnel. So I would imagine that Seattle's leading snap count usage is, is probably a nickel. So in this group, it looks like Witherspoon, the first round pick, and you know some of the primetime games I've been able to catch, he's playing a lot of the slot. And then you still have Reek Woolen and, and some, some, some very competent, very good defensive backs here. The question is, is Jamal Adams good enough to go? I think I've seen him linger on the injury report. And then you know what are they doing? Like, Talk to us about Michael Jackson, who's a little less known. And then how Quandre Diggs is playing, too, because like like we said from the rip, this is a DB driven group here that's playing really well. It's absolutely a DB driven group. And they've used they've been using three safety packages. Uh, you know, with, you mentioned Quandre Diggs and he's been phenomenal in the free safety role. He's dropped down, and played into the box some. Uh, but mostly it's been uh Julian Love and Jamal Adams have kind of been filling those roles with it. One of them, if they'll drop down and play in the slot, uh, Love can play, cover a slot receiver if need be. Adams drop down, play slot uh, if you need to cover a tight end or something of that nature, or fill in as kind of a, a small linebacker, if you will, you know, if the opponent does go to a big package, 6-0 lineman. And, and then on the outside, it's been, just like you said, Witherspoon has been playing on the outside, Woolen's been playing on the outside, but they've got a lot of other names. Uh, Mike Jackson, who was a starter for him all last season, has kind of been relegated to almost a fourth cornerback role where he's getting his snaps here and there, and he's getting snaps on the outside, but he's really not playing a whole lot because of Witherspoon and because of Woolen. And then in addition, Trey Brown, who he came back from a, he had a patellar tendon injury from way back in uh 2020 at the end of 2021 and he came back last year and barely played i think it was less than two dozen defensive snaps maybe 21 22 but he's been phenomenal when he's gotten on the field so far this season and it's really been a battle for for players to in that secondary to get the playing time because well like you mentioned woolen was phenomenal he had all the interceptions last year and then you've got witherspoon and brown taking all the the highlight reel doing everything this year and so it's really just like you said it's a talent filled group that's kind of driving that defense and it's very exciting because they come to play they come to hit and they come with energy yeah I think this is 
Not a great matchup for the Browns, obviously starting P.J. Walker, not leaning into the run game as successfully as they traditionally have without Nick uh, Chubb. So I, I would expect you would imagine a group that's going to get pretty active in pressure looks. Do they blitz a lot or should they should Browns fans be expecting them to play more drop coverage? But with that talent, they feel good about coverage stuff to be able to still get after the quarterback and make things uncomfortable. I'm just curious, like what the nature of their defensive style is. They traditionally haven't blitzed a whole lot under Pete Carroll, but they have blitzed at a higher, a little bit more this year. They certainly have. And I think a big portion of that is exactly like, you know, that it's because they trust the secondary not to get blown apart on those blitzes. You know, they've got competent players back there. They've got guys that they trust in coverage and they know that they're, you know, maybe they'll give up a big play, but they're confident that they're not going to. And I think that plays a huge role in, you know, them being a little bit more aggressive because yes, they did have, you know, 11 sacks of Daniel Jones again, the Monday night game against the Giants. But the reality is, is that's about half the sacks they've had all season. They haven't had, the pass rush hasn't been where they wanted it to be all year. It's, improved it's gotten better there's certainly Jerron Reed has four sacks Boyamafe has four sacks but it they haven't been as a group as consistent as they would like and so we have seen those targeted blitzes here and there when they haven't been able to apply pressure good stuff all right this, this is how we kind of wrap up every show with not necessarily a prediction but just a vibe check whether you think like what your level of belief is that your team can that you cover can get it done is there a lot of confidence going into this one. Is there some nervous apprehension? You you tell me as the uh, Browns travel out west. Look, the Seahawks got stomped by the 49ers three times last season, and then the 49ers went in and lost to the Browns. So, yeah, I'm nervous. You know, am I as nervous as I was or as, you know, dreadful of the game as I was when they were facing the Niners for the third time last year? No. Am I worried that they could lose? Am I worried that they could drop a home game to a team that I feel they should beat? Yes, of course. But I, I, I think they'll pull it out. I think it'll be close. And as long as it isn't a six, three game, then, you know, it's, I'll be fine with it. You know, if it's a close game and it's, it's a loss. It is what it is. As long as they play well, play hard. If they just drop the ball and come out and it's ugly, then, you know, and Gino's on his back all day and they can't move the ball, then I'm going to be upset. You know, obviously that's what I'm afraid of, but I, I feel, you know, it, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't expect it to be very high scoring, you know, something crazy like 16, 10, 16, 11, something like that. Um, you know, and I think the Seahawks come out ahead. Well, the Browns do have a 6-3 game on the record with the Seahawks way back in 2011. So for the sake of our joy, our enjoyment of the football game, let's hope it's not something like that because that'll make both fan bases pretty pretty uptight. But I, I hope it's a good game. I think the Browns travel well. They're getting a little confidence on the road, so it should be fascinating to watch. John, we really appreciate you at a time of need stepping up for us to enlighten us on the Seahawks. Very well done. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Happy to have come on again. Thanks for the invitation. Great to talk ball. And, uh, you know, anytime. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks to Brad for joining me. Thanks to you guys for stopping by. And also thanks to John for stopping by and giving the Seahawks perspective as well. That is it for the coverage leading up to the game. You'll have all your coverage immediately following the game on the OBR Twitch and YouTube. So check those out. Until we check in with you again, appreciate you being here. Rate and review the podcast if you can and will to help Browns fans find it. And guys, listen, tune in, have a good time on game day, enjoy it, and Browns can hopefully come out with a victory over in Seattle, 405 kick, a little later than normal. So it should be interesting to see how the Browns handle that time change. Nonetheless, we'll be there, we'll be tuned in, and we'll have all the insight for you guys. Thanks again, and go Browns.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.